there may be some issues surrounding discrimination. How landlords in BC may be using your online history to screen out potential tenants. Uh, You can't claim the money without identifying yourself just because it isn't convenience. And why the identity of BC's newest multimillionaire remains a secret. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We start with news from Vancouver Island first tonight, where more than a dozen people have been rushed to hospital after an apartment building caught fire. As Grace Key now reports, neighbours didn't think twice when running in, trying to get people out to safety. That balcony is pretty well done. Thanks to the heroic efforts of a couple of neighbours, a mother, her son and their dogs were able to escape their burning apartment complex. Former volunteer firefighter Chris Fazer was at home when he heard a woman screaming across the street. By the time we got over there, the side of the suite that was on fire had blown the the doors out. We uh, went to the lady that was standing at the fence and she was screaming that um, her child was in the building. Chris's training kicked in. Someone ran to grab a ladder while he and another neighbor climbed up towards the second floor balcony. By the time they they came out and saw the flames climbing up beside them, it shocked them pretty good. We got the dogs down and the uh, sun over the railing and down. Um, And in the meantime, she had actually exited the suite into the hallway and uh, made it down and out the front doors. The fire started at 10.30 in the morning in Duncan, 60 kilometres north of Victoria, just on the bottom floor of the complex. Firefighters had to go door-to-door to to make sure everyone got out okay. Because of previous false alarms, not everyone evacuated. Uh, So that was a bit of a challenge for us, is that not only did we have to fight the fire, but we had to continue going back through and getting people out of the building. 13 people were sent to hospital with smoke inhalation and more than 80 residents will now have to find temporary housing. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Grace Key, Global News. Well, there was another fire, this time at a home in Burnaby last night, and it has left several people homeless. Firefighters dealing with heavy smoke and large flames shooting out of this roof of this fourplex in the 5600 block of Royal Oak Avenue just after 11.30. Now, this fire uh, did spread quickly into the attic. That made it a lot tougher to knock down. All four suites have been left heavily damaged. Fortunately, everybody inside did manage to get out to safety. The cause of this fire is still being investigated. We did have a second alarm here. We had seven trucks and uh, 30 firefighters working on this. Uh, It was a little bit stubborn at first, but uh, uh, we we did get get a good handle on it and uh, managed to, uh, to, to get everything out. A two-vehicle crash in Ladner last night has left a young woman dead and her friend hurt. It happened on Highway 17A Ladner Trunk Road at around 10 p.m. Police say the two women were passengers in a northbound vehicle that had stopped on the side of the highway. The two were looking for something in their trunk when they were struck by a jeep heading northbound. The woman who died at the scene was 19 years old. Her 20-year-old friend taken to hospital. She is expected to survive. The driver of the jeep stayed on scene and RCMP suspects uh, suspects even that alcohol was involved.
Braxton Flats building in Vancouver are among a growing number of landlords in Canada using a controversial online personality test to screen potential tenants. Today, Global News learned that the Victoria startup that makes that software, Certain, has also been scanning the online activity of potential tenants to look for any negative information. And that in one recent case, a person was denied tenancy in B.C. over a series of Twitter posts he made about Donald Trump. We're looking to show that an applicant is clean, that they're credible, and we're looking to do it in a way that's, that's not very invasive. Andrew McLeod is one of the founders of Certain and says his product actually helps tenants by allowing them to showcase a good personality. But the B.C. government hasn't been so quick to agree practice is currently under investigation by the privacy commissioner and earlier this spring they were forced to stop scanning Facebook and Twitter on behalf of landlords in BC though LinkedIn is still fair game along with most everything else that is in the public domain I've never heard of it uh, and until we spoke about this Ashley Sire is a prominent Vancouver lawyer with a specialty in tenants rights she worries that the personality test component of the product may be an affront to human rights. Housing is one of the protected areas under the BC Human Rights Code, and you can't discriminate uh, against a tenant or a prospective tenant for a variety of reasons. Certain says its software is now being used to screen tenants for 40,000 rental units in BC and 100,000 across Canada. In Vancouver, where the scramble to find rental housing has never been so intense or expensive, here's what some had to say. I think it's going too far. Who you are is who you are. Didn't you know? You don't have to be a certain person to rent an apartment. I ultimately, I guess, I would disagree with it. I don't think it should really have any bearing. I mean, as long as you pay your rent and don't damage the property. As for the Brixton Flats building, Jordan Milne, the president of the company that owns it told us Sunday they'll continue using Certain's personality test while they wait for the privacy investigation to wrap up. And he said the data that Certain has developed from the online activity of applicants has been valuable to them. Paul Johnson, Global News. A frightening close call for three people from Edmonton after part of a large tree came crashing down onto their rental vehicle in downtown Vancouver. The global viewer capturing some of the aftermath of the accident. A garbage truck had turned the corner off Alberni onto Cardero uh, this afternoon when its lifting arms caught the tree, bringing it down onto a jeep that had stopped at the light. The three people inside were pretty shaken up but not hurt. A witness tells Global News the tree was rotting, but that hasn't been confirmed by the city of Vancouver. Students at Simon Fraser University are speaking out about their safety on campus. Dozens of women have been posting on social media about a man who they say has been repeatedly sexually harassing them on campus, even trying to follow them home. Tanya Beja has details now, including what SFU has to say. Women who spend time at Simon Fraser University say they fear for their safety after reports someone is following female students around campus. I just don't feel like walking alone in case he just comes from nowhere. I feel like it's very dark. Uh, it seems dangerous or unsafe to walk to different areas on campus, especially at night. Dozens of women have taken to social media describing situations where they are aggressively followed by a stranger, sometimes to their vehicle, occasionally onto the same bus. 
He's tried to get uh, people's numbers. If they don't give the numbers, he grabs their phone. If they do give a fake number, um, he calls to confirm on the spot if it is a real number. Jashan Rendawa compiled a list of the disturbing encounters and called on local politicians and security to respond. He tried to get a girl's uh, engagement ring off. He's tried hugging and kissing people by force. Um, I don't think he has any social skills. It, he's acting like an animal. Uh, so security and police need to be way more strict. But the university says it only received one official complaint regarding the suspect, who was not on their radar before last week. We were fortunate to be able to locate the individual in question. We gave him a trespass notice, and then after that, we uh, escorted him off campus. According to Kurt Heinrich, the man is not a member of the SFU community. He says Burnaby RCMP have also opened a file. We would really urge any students or university community members that do come across this individual or have any sort of suspicious or uncomfortable experiences to contact Campus Safety and Security or the RCMP. The university is also encouraging students to use its SafeWalk program. Tanya Beja, Global News. An emotional plea for the safe return of a missing Prince George teenager on the one-month anniversary of his disappearance. Colton Therrien Fleury went missing on May the 3rd. This is despite extensive searches throughout north-central BC. There has been no sign of this 16-year-old. There have been unconfirmed sightings of the teen, not only in Prince George, but also in the New Hazelton area and Prince Rupert as well. Colton's mother now making a direct plea. Each day gets worse, Colton. I love you. Just please come home. The first annual Canadian Walk for Veterans attracting a huge turnout of support today. The walk kicked off this morning at Coquitlam Town Centre. Uh, walks going on in seven cities across Canada. The hope that this event is going to give veterans the chance to connect with one another and also raise awareness about the challenges they face after serving their country. The walk is to unite the entire veteran community and give them one common voice to speak with a more powerful voice. A missing mushroom picker has been found alive in the, in the interior and in what search and rescue crews fear will be the first of many calls this season. Kamloops Search and Rescue joined by teams from around the interior in their search near Loon Lake. Now the mushroom picker from out of the province was reported missing yesterday. Crews were called to the area last night. A police dog team found the man around seven this morning and walked him out. He was tired and hungry, otherwise doing okay. Following last uh, year's fires, though, it is expected to be a huge mushroom picking season. Kamloops Search and Rescue is pretty worried that this won't be their last call. Crews are reminding people to research the area and be prepared before heading out. Last year, obviously, we had a lot of wildfires rip through the region, and that provides prime ground for mushrooms to grow. So what we find a lot in BC is following a wildfire season, we do end up with a mushroom season. And that brings a lot of people from all across the country and even North America to BC looking for those prime mushrooms. Unfortunately, foragers also like to be very private about where they're going and where they're finding their, their goods, whether it be mushrooms or berries or wild asparagus. So uh, what we're asking people to do is find somebody that they can trust, that they can actually let know where they're going and when they're going to be there, when they're going to be back, so that if they do go out foraging and something happens, somebody knows that they're actually missing and we can get out there to help them. 
Now, it's been an early and active start to this year's wildfire season, and a key component to the battle are air tankers. They've already been called out on several missions this spring. Our report is from CFJC News. The flames are often unpredictable, fast-spreading, and difficult for ground crews to fight alone. So when wildfires rage out of control and every second counts, it's help from the skies that play an integral part in what can be a deadly firefight. We fly out with the airplanes, they drop retardant around a fire and slow down its spread. And as we mentioned, that's what's buying the time for the ground crews to be able to get there. Air tankers crisscross the skies, unloading dusty red clouds of fire retardant on the flames below. In a joint effort with firefighters on the front lines, the aircrafts protect a massive amount of brush and feverishly battle Mother Nature. They're very fast, so we're able to mobilize and cover off large chunks of the province in a very short period of time. And then as well, we have considerable volume and, and capacity within that fleet. And we have the ability to be able to send you know, multiple aircraft to any one incident. These aircraft here, they're called CL-415s. With 24 planes and 17 bases throughout the province, the majority of BC's air tanker fleet is stationed in Kamloops, where they are dispatched. Between the tankers and skimmers, millions of gallons of retardant and water are dropped. And those are ones that can skim on the water bodies, pick up water itself, and then drop directly onto the flames and reduce the intensity of the fire. So what that does is it slows down the spread of the fire from burning through the retardant, It's been less than a year since B.C. was on high alert, experiencing one of the worst wildfire seasons on record. Homes destroyed and forests blackened. And with tinder dry conditions yet again, already the flames are back. In terms of the number of fires we had, it's not far from our 10-year average. We've had about 240 to date. What has been unusual, though, is how aggressive the fires have been and the number of hectares burned. We've had about 35,500 hectares burned. An early and active start to this year's wildfire season with the vast majority of fires to date human-caused. Every summer, as wildfires threaten homes and communities across the province, those billowing streaks of red become a familiar sight. Hitting hard and fast, on average, air tankers do 520 missions, and the work this year has already begun. A safety warning from BC Hydro. If you're planning to trim trees on your property or you're preparing any wood supply, the Crown Corporation found that incidents involving people coming in contact with power lines are actually up 60% from 2013. Now, in the past five years, there have been more than 400 incidents that involve electrical lines. Lots of them go unreported. Many of those could have resulted in serious injury or death. Those close calls are often happening while people are pruning trees or doing work on a roof. So what we're asking people to consider when they're trimming trees or hedges is to stay back at least three metres. And if if the tree or the hedge or the, themselves or their tools are inside that three meter boundary, they should instead choose to call BC Hydro at 1-800-BC-HYDRO and we'll bring out uh, trained people who will cut that uh, tree or trim that hedge safely within that near proximity to the power line. Now, we don't know why the chicken crossed the road, but the good news is it was all caught on camera. Drive BC posting pictures from their traffic cameras of a chicken crossing Highway 99 near the George Massey Tunnel during the noon hour yesterday. It caused a few minor delays. Eventually, officers helped the chicken make it safely off the highway. But we still don't know 
why the chicken crossed the road. Well, apparently, like all those jokes. did he need help to get to the other side? That's I guess. what I always say. Yeah, he just well, needed to get yeah. to the other side. It's kind of embarrassing. Really talking about it if it wasn't for the chicken. It's a, a bit embarrassing chicken for the chicken that he needed police officers uh, to get him across the road. I mean, Chick- how is he going to live up to the in the coop? There's going to the be theory. a lot of gossip. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. might he might get a bit um, picked on. Yeah. Packed on. <laughs> Packed on. All right. Well, okay. So the big change is upon us. We do feel much cooler right across the province. The rain has pushed in thunder showers at this hour through the interior. But look at this. We've cleared out quite nicely in Metro Vancouver. Good news for people holding events on the outside. The rain, we didn't have too much. When did that happen? I know. This just in. Uh, so much better now. Still do have a chance of showers for tomorrow. So I'll break down what you can expect over the next few days. And still, hey, we have a special weather statement in place to the far north as well because of thunder showers and lots of rain set to come to the PC, BC Peace River region. All right. We'll check in with you in a few minutes. Then I'm Barry. Pro about. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well done. You win. Stop. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA. Yes. The finals, Cleveland and uh, Golden State, four straight years. It's been epic. These two teams, obviously the two best in the NBA these days, and they're at it again. Uh, Cavaliers really blew a great chance in game one, and uh, can they come back in game two? So far, uh, it doesn't look like it. They're down 13, so we'll have highlights of that coming up. Now, a popular barbecue turned into a nightmare near Toronto last night after shots rang out. Four people ended up in hospital after being hit by bullets. It happened at around 11 in the town of Pickering, where thousands of people had gathered in the Civic Centre for the annual Rib Fest. Police have no information on a suspect or a motive, but it is believed to be a targeted attack. Thousands of cards and flowers and mementos that have been left for the victims of the Toronto van attack have been taken down today. The city now replacing it with a permanent memorial in honour of the 10 people killed and the 16 that were left wounded. The flowers wilted, the ink on the signs starting to run from days of rain, the candles long burnt out, but none of it forgotten. For me, it seems like there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about this tragedy. The memorial for victims of April's van attack along Young Street evoking as much emotion as ever. Of course, we still feel sad, but there has to be a good closure for the tragedy. It's been more than 40 days since a van hit several pedestrians along Young Street, killing 10 people and injuring 16 others. On Sunday, the memorial torn down at Olive Square, near where the path of destruction began. Bouquets picked up one by one as dozens watched on, some here to remember those who lost their lives. Remembering them in our hearts. And others here to try and move on from the horrific incident. Everyone has really been pulling together. Alexandra Enrique says she's lucky to be alive. And the people walking towards me They were hit from behind, from the van, and I just missed it. I just stepped aside to the left. Now she's here to help an entire city move on. The wilted and dead flowers loaded onto 10 wheelbarrows representing the 10 victims. All the flowers, uh, the dry flowers, will be goes to the city's compost. They'll be composted to be returning next year to nurture the flowers of the gardens of the city and carried down the van's path of destruction to Mel Lastman Square, where the second impromptu memorial was also carefully taken down. 
in their place temporary plaques until a more permanent memorial to the victims gets built after a lengthy consultation process with those most impacted. It's about what the families of the victims think and about the families of the injured people and it's about what the community thinks. The end of a makeshift memorial, but for Alexandra Enriquez and an entire city, it's the beginning of something much bigger. It's really nice to begin the healing process with the community, and it means a lot. Camille Karamali, Global News. An off-duty FBI agent is now the one being watched after accidentally shooting a man during a dance-off in Denver last night. Video of the incident shows the man in question dancing in a large circle of people in a nightclub. It's when he starts showing off by doing a backflip that his loaded gun falls out of his pants. When he goes to pick up the gun, it goes off by accident. Police say the victim was hit in the leg and was taken to hospital and is expected to recover. Police say the agent was released to an FBI supervisor after being questioned. In health news tonight, a groundbreaking study on breast cancer says that chemotherapy may not be necessary for the most common types of the disease. News that could potentially save hundreds and thousands of women from growing through what is a pretty rough treatment. Our report is from NBC News. Last fall, Deborah Reese heard the dreaded words, you have cancer. I was incredibly surprised. Stage two breast cancer. Reese worried about chemotherapy, but a genetic test that predicts the rate of cancer coming back revealed her risk was low, so she didn't need chemo. I was relieved because that adds a whole different dimension to your treatment. That test, Oncotype DX, was helpful to those with low scores like Reese who didn't need chemo and those with high scores who would benefit from chemo. But what about all the women in the middle? Now at the annual American Society of Clinical Oncologists meeting, the largest study ever of women with estrogen-fed breast cancer that hasn't spread to their lymph nodes gives doctors and patients the answers they've sought. Dr. Jennifer Litton is an oncologist at MD Anderson Cancer Center. So is this a game changer? This is a game changer for these women. The study was just released in the New England Journal of Medicine. Researchers split that middle scoring group in two. Some got chemo plus hormone therapy, others hormone therapy alone. The outcomes for cancer recurrence and overall survival in both were about the same. Now we can identify a a larger group of women that we can avoid chemotherapy and just give anti-estrogen therapy and get the same results. The side effects of chemotherapy can be devastating. Hair loss, fatigue and nausea to name a few. Now, with the guidance of the gene test, those with the middle scores, the majority of women, can skip chemotherapy, a development that will change the course of treatment. A lot of my patients who are still wondering in their heart, should they have done chemo or not, I think this will be very reassuring. For Reese, who recently celebrated her 27th wedding anniversary, it's a decision she feels good about. It's always good to know that. Always good to have reassurance. Taking away harsh treatment and keeping survival rates the same while giving women a better quality of life. Ann Thompson, NBC News, Chicago. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, I think you should give yourself a huge pat on the back, British Columbia, because it has been an incredible weekend of giving. Five. Zero. Zero. 
The 31st annual Miracle Weekend wrapped up just a short time ago. It has raised more than $21 million in support for BC Children's Hospital. That is well over last year's tally of $20.3 million. Over the past 30 years, the annual event has raised more than $300 million, all of which, of course, help BC's youngest patients and their families. And Sophie Louie and Chris Galis have been there all day for us. Hello, guys. What an amazing weekend it's been. We've just wrapped up the 31st annual Miracle Weekend in support of BC Children's Hospital. We are joined by Terry Nicholas, the president and CEO of the BC Children's Hospital Foundation. What an incredible total. Yeah, Chris, I am uh, overwhelmed. I'm uh, so amazed with the support from people across the province having another record-breaking year of over $21 million amazing. $21 million is tremendous. Tell us a little bit more, Terry, about how these donations are used. So this will really allow us to have the most advanced medical equipment so that our specialists can really use their skills in the most effective way and, of course, help the kids of BC. And right here on campus, innovative research so that we can look for new cures and find treatments for our kids. And this was the first miracle weekend with the brand new Tech Acute Care Center. What a hit that's been and what an addition to healthcare in BC. It's been so great to be there today. It's been so great to have it for the families of British Columbia and we couldn't be uh, happier with that. And again, stand here so grateful with all of the support we get from the community and from Global BC. What an incredible journey it's been all these years, Miracle Weekend here at BC Children's Hospital. And the biggest total yet, 21 million plus. Biggest total yet. I do not know how you keep topping the year before. It's, it's obviously a lot of generosity out there, and we want to thank everybody who watched Miracle Weekend for their very generous donations. And you still can, 310-BCCH, 310-2224. Terry, congratulations. Thank you so very, very much. Thank Thanks, you. Terry. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you uh, from all of us here for giving. And remember those donation, please do that right now if you can. Um, I'm going to throw it over to Kasia Bedeka for a look at the weather. The sun's We've got a great total there. The sun's come out. Perfect. Yeah, everything's sunny. Everything's great. (laughs) Uh, No, an improvement in conditions much quicker than initially forecast, though there still is a chance of showers for us right across the lower mainland, the south coast. But look at this. Sun and clouds. Temperatures sitting at 15 degrees at this hour. That's as good as it got today. That was our daytime high. Daytime highs across the province, not as impressive as they have have been this system it has been associated with a cold front so some places already experiencing cooler daytime highs Kelowna couldn't even get up to the 20 degree mark however to the southeast of the province still under high pressure for today you had plenty of sunshine and temperatures above seasonal but for everybody else for those of us who did pick up the rain we certainly needed it and we could use much more uh, a look back at some of the most historic wildfire seasons in well recent history of course we don't forget 2014 close to 400,000 hectares were charred and of course last year being historic and record-breaking at over 1 million hectares uh, burnt so here's hoping for a much better season this year of course that rain it did help with the situation but lightning does not and we do have a thunder shower potential right across the board really to the north coast high to the central interior for this evening 
And the same thing goes to you in the southeast. Actually, right across the south, we're already seeing lightning strikes at this hour to places like the Thompson Okanagan region, the Columbia's as well, or the Columbia region as well. Uh, so have a look. Lightning strikes. There's a lot of convectivity. And if you do find yourself under one of these convective cells, you could be picking up some pretty heavy downpours, up to 10 millimeters of rain in a very short period of time. And when thunder roars, we always like to say in weather, go indoors. It's never safe to be on the outside. Look at all that activity stateside. This associates with the system that is here, more moisture to follow. Uh, but I'm not suspecting that we are, I'm not expecting too much rain for tomorrow for the South Coast, except for on the island. And we'll get to that in a second. So meanwhile, at this hour, still a fair amount of moisture making its way to the far north. So now it's the BC Peace River region. You're the target of the major rain. We're talking about upwards of 40 millimeters of rain over the next 48 hours. So we do have a special weather statement in place for this region. It's also going to be very gusty for you tomorrow in the Peace River region. Only a daytime high of 7. Look at that. See how those temperatures just dropped like a rock for this region. White Horse, 14 degrees. That's going to be your high for tomorrow and still a pretty good chance of showers for this region. The North Coast hanging on to those umbrellas and then more steady rain on your Tuesday into your Wednesday as well and temperatures a little bit below seasonal for this region. Caribou in the central interior, a potential for thunder showers today as well as for tomorrow into the afternoon. Cooler conditions for this region. Tonight it's your turn for the Columbia and the Kootenai region, a potential for a thunder shower here. Thompson and the Okanagan, still an additional 10 millimeters of rain. We saw some lightning strikes over this general area, so I wouldn't be surprised if you did see a thunder shower. 11 degrees for you in Whistler on your Monday, still a potential for rain, and the same goes for you up and down the island, though for you in Victoria, quite nice, 17 degrees. We clear out quite nicely, as we do in Metro Vancouver for your Monday, just a 40% risk of showers in the afternoon. All right, before we get into your sport, mm-hmm. I've got something on the Lions. First, of course, it was an AquaFit class, and now now it's that wheelchair basketball. I don't know who's on the Who cares? Yeah, the BC Lions continuing to surprise as they train in Kamloops. The team tweeting this video as they crashed a wheelchair basketball game at Thompson Rivers University on Saturday. <laughs> Fullback Roly Lombala tweeting his own footage saying, Love my teammates, BC wheelchair basketball. Great players, better people. On Tuesday, the Lions joined an Aquafit class after their training camp practice session was cancelled. I think they're just good at everything, aren't they? They're brilliant. Yeah, well, and Roly's, uh, he's, he's been around for a while, and he's a fullback, so he just blocks, doesn't get a lot of, uh, you know, of the, of, the, uh, public, of the pub, as they say, but he's a great guy, and they love him there, and yeah. he's very funny, so. Yeah, I like them. Roly's the kind of guy who would crash an Aquifit, for sure. Sounds like <laughs> it. I want him to do a bungalow glass. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you and your bungalow. Okay, yeah. let's uh, talk <laughs> some basketball here. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers played an almost perfect road game in the NBA Finals opener, but missed a free throw throw in the final seconds, followed by an egregious mental mistake by J.R. Smith that led to a heartbreaking overtime loss. Could the Cavs shake off that disappointment and even up the series tonight in Oakland? LeBron James had 51 points in a losing cause in Game 1, and the Warriors really came out on fire in this. Kevin Durant strong to the basket. He was below average in Game 1, but 13 points in the first half tonight. Clay Thompson, one of the many weapons for the Warriors. High arcing three here. The Warriors hit their first six, actually their first seven, as Draymond Green throws it down on the break. Still hadn't missed a shot, but Cleveland, despite Golden State's hot shooting, stays close. Kevin Love and LeBron James working the give and go. LeBron with the acrobatic finish. 
32-28 Warriors after one. Second quarter, Kevin Love, strong move, basket and foul. It's crucial for Love to take some of the offensive pressure off LeBron. But Steph Curry answers, launches the three. Warriors stretch the lead to 11, 47-36. And they got some help from an unlikely source as uh, JaVale McGee got the start. Eight points in the first half for McGee, 59-46 at that point. And we can update the score, 72-64 Warriors midway through the third. Jack Nicholas. Tiger Woods was just five back when the day started. Great start for Tiger. First hole, rolls in the 14-footer. Made the turn at 11-under. Bogey-free front side, but putting woes on the back again today like it was yesterday. Tiger, four-footer on 16 for par. No. Even today, finished at 9-under, tied for 23rd. Ben on as we watch Tiger putt out here. So, again... Tiger with some moments of brilliance, but can't quite put together 72 holes at this stage of his comeback. Ben on the South Korean, great approach here at 17. Right in the very front, just to just a couple of feet. That would uh, lead to birdie. And he posts 15 under par. Kyle Stanley at 16 made four straight birdies late in his round. He also posted 15 under. Third round leader Bryson DeChambeau needs this par putt at 18 for the victory. And he hits a great putt. Looks good, but big turn to the left. And it slides by. So a three-man playoff between DeChambeau on and Stanley. In the second playoff hole, DeChambeau for the win. And he drains it. Second career victory for the 24-year-old. Always special for any player to win Jack's tournament. Meanwhile, U.S. Women's Open from Shoal Creek, Alabama. Arya Jitanagarn of Thailand had a stranglehold on the title. Midway through the final round. Long birdie putt on nine, beautifully red, curls it in. Jatarnagon had a commanding seven-shot lead at that point with just nine holes to go. But she made a triple on the 10th, and that opened the door for South Korea's Ho-Yu-Ju Kim, who made a couple of long bomb birdies, including this one from off the green on 15, and she was just one back at 11-under. Jatarnagon on 18 had a chance for the victory. But slides it by, so we require a playoff, which will be a two-hole aggregate at the U.S. Open, so not sudden death. First playoff hole, Kim from distance, and she does it again, drops this one. What a putting display from the South Korean. She goes to one under. Kim bogeyed the second playoff hole, however. Jitanagarn parred both, so they go to sudden death. Fourth playoff hole, still tied. What a shot by Jitanagarn out of the bunker. Severe downhill slope, but excellent touch. Kim missed her long par putt, so Jatanagarn taps in for the par in the win. She's the U.S. Open champ. If you missed it, Brooke Henderson, the Canadian, withdrew after the first round due to a family emergency. Mackenzie Tour PGA Canada event right here at Vancouver's Point Grey Country Club. Final round of the Freedom 55 Financial Open. Top Canadian this week, Riley Wielden of Comox, two under today, tied for 10th at nine under par. So congrats to Riley for a good week of work. American Jordan Niebrugge mispronounced the name yesterday. It's a tough one. Niebrugge, six-shot lead when the day began, the birdie at 10. Now, he's made the cut at the U.S. Open and British Open last year, but this is his first pro win, a two-shot victory, 16 under. The Canadian Tour moves to the Uplands in Victoria next week. 
Welcome back. The French Open is Rafa Nadal's domain, and rightly so, with a record 10 titles. But Novak Djokovic is making some noise this week, playing his best tennis in maybe a couple of years. He had elbow surgery in February, and it's got him playing pain-free for the first time in a long time. And he's looked a lot like the guy who dominated between 2011 and 2016 when he won 11 Grand Slam tournaments. Djokovic taking on Spanish veteran Fernando Verdasco in the fourth round today. Djokovic won the first set. Also took the second, thanks to great shots like that looping forehand winner. Third set, more of the same from the Serbian, crushes another forehand winner down the line. He cruises into the quarters, 6-3, 6-4, 6-2. He's in search of a second French title. He won his first back in 2016. Number two, Alex Zverev of Germany taking on Russian Karin Kachanov. A third set, Kachanov up a break, pushing forward. Nice aggressive play. It leads two sets to one, so perhaps an upset brewing at Roland Garros. But in the fourth set, Zverev catches a break here on the net cord and then fires the winner down the line. He would take that fourth set. Fifth set, Zverev takes over. Some nice touch at the net and then the put away, and it's a comeback win for the number two seed. His third five-setter in a row. We'll see how that affects him in the second week. Zverev off to his first quarterfinal at a major. On the women's side, Sloane Stephens, last year's U.S. Open champ, taking on Annette Kontovit of Estonia. First set, the Americans setting the tone with the forehand winner, took the opening set 6-2. Second set, Stevens got great speed. That's uh, one of her strengths, terrific court coverage, and guesses properly there to put it away. And then on match point, Kontovit, can't return the serve, and Sloan Stevens playing her best tennis since last fall. Wins it in just 52 minutes, 6-2-6 love. She moves on to the quarterfinals. We've got some rugby sevens from London, Canada, and Fiji in the cup quarters today. Fiji won in Vancouver back in March. Semi Radranda, huge run here for the Fijians, who went up 14-0 in the opening half, but... Canada hung tough uh, with Fiji. Justin Douglas will take it in for the try. And Canada down just seven at the break, 14-7. But the Fijians take it up a notch in the second half. Paula Dranasinukula rumbles in for the try. That made it 21-7 Fiji. And then... They'll put this one away. Yasa Veramalua will take it in. Fiji scores 26 in the second half, 47 the final. Fiji ended up winning it all, beating South Africa in the championship match. Canada finished seventh after losing to the USA 27-19. And we've got some baseball to finish. Jays and Tigers. Toronto looking to snap a five-game losing streak. Justin Smoke, two-run shot to right, breaks a scoreless tie in the sixth. 2-0 Blue Jays. Aaron Sanchez had uh, one of his best outings of the year. Six strong, seven strikeouts, just two hits and one run allowed. Jays are going to need a lot of that if they're going to get themselves back in the wild card race. And Randall Gritchuk, who has really struggled at the plate this year, had a good day. Two-run homer to right. Jays snapped the streak. 
First win in their last six, 8-4 the final. They beat the Tigers. Mariners won again, 2-1 over Tampa. So Seattle leads the AL West with a 37-22 record. Got some breaking news for you. The Coquihalla Highway has been shut down at Hope. This is due to a serious crash. We are hearing reports that an air ambulance is en route. One witness uh, saying a car was flipped onto its side. Drive BC saying Highway 5 remains closed now in both directions. Uh, There are no estimates of uh, when that could be reopening again. There are alternate routes available, including Highway 1 or Highway 3. Now, you might remember us reporting last week on how the identity of BC's newest multi-millionaire is going to stay a secret. It's a rare decision made by the Lottery Corporation, where the winner of $30 million gets to remain anonymous. Kristen Robinson now tells us why they could have made that decision. You just won $16 million. Even the reluctant have revealed themselves. But the winner of BC's largest ever Lotto 649 jackpot was able to collect their big check without the fanfare. This is rare because one of the conditions of claiming a lottery ticket is that you consent to your photo, your name, your prize and your hometown being publicized. The single winning ticket for the $30 million April 25th draw sold at this Coquitlam IGA. The winner requested anonymity. And after an investigation, the B.C. Lottery Corporation granted it, citing the circumstances must be extraordinary and substantiated with evidence that is verifiable and capable of independent confirmation. If there's a real public safety concern. Lawyer Ravi Hira says secret winners could be in abusive relationships or prison inmates, confidential informants or undercover police officers. You're uh name and your face uh, smiling with a $30 million check uh, might be um, a personal safety problem for you. Others have tried. The Langley winners of a $50 million Lotto Max jackpot spent half a million trying to fly under the radar. The Meyerhoffs using a lawyer to set up a trust, thinking they could collect and skip the spotlight. But the BCLC determined a trust cannot claim a prize. It'd be nice to be anonymous and not have to worry about all the the hassles that go with winning lots of money. If I had won the lottery, I'd want to remain anonymous because I think that there is enough pressure that comes along with winning the lottery. If you want to lay low, Hira says you can always retain a lawyer. That lawyer would be put in lawful possession of the ticket. Uh, He or she could uh, claim the prize for his, his or her client and then deliver the funds to the client for a fee. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Uh, well, you know, it wasn't any of us because sure. we've all come to work. And, um, but yeah, I think everyone should re- be allowed to remain anonymous. The lawyers like, like that. Well, of course, they win the lottery too. I that's guess. true. Sure. Yeah. And of course, we all knew when you won the house and the cash. Right. Well, that was a, that was different. That was a name, not numbers. Right? Oh, so, okay. So it's- but I would have came. It would have been right there. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> Good night.